So would you welcome up here, please, our sister Marilyn Newbellin. Thank you, Pastor Gemma. Thank you. Hallelujah. It's good to be back here. Always like the warm welcome. And I so appreciate Pastor John and Anita. You really have a pastor that has a shepherd's heart. You can really thank the Lord for that because, um, yeah, yeah, it's very, very, very precious. I want to read a scripture to you because when we were doing worship and just, just, you know, singing about the presence of God and it made me think of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 where Paul says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. And in the Amplified it says that I might know him intimately and directly discerning the power that outflows from his resurrection. And that needs to be our heart cry that, that we know him intimately. You know, that we, we come into that secret place of the Most High God and, and we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, it's a secret place. And in the secret place, secrets are revealed in the secret place. And revealed to His children, to you and to me. It wasn't meant to be a secret from us. It belongs to us. So I just, that was just so on my heart when we were worshiping tonight. And, and uh, thank you, uh, Where's Pastor Kirk, whatever he is. Thank you for the worship, the whole worship team. But Father, we thank you for your presence tonight. Lord, we open our heart to hear and to receive all that you have for us. And Lord, I pray once again, too, that you would help us to see what perhaps we didn't see the time before. And help us to hear what perhaps we missed the time before. We thank you that your word is alive and as we look into your word, it just, it just comes so alive to us. And Lord, so help us to uh, lay aside preconceptions and, and opinions and just be so open to all that you have for us tonight. And Father, we truly give you all the praise and all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Just want to mention a couple things. Um, I have a a table in the back in the foyer. And I want to mention uh, one of the books that I have because I had this book uh, last time I was here. It's called Guidelines Praying for the Sick. And I was preaching out of it uh, a couple of months ago when I was in Ireland. And the Lord gave me a whole new chapter and a lot more information about the other chapters. And so, and we also have a new cover. So it's a, it's a thicker book. And uh, because so many of you had purchased the book when I was here last time, if you want the new book, it's fourteen ninety-five. but tonight for you, including shipping, it would just be $12 because, like I said, so many of you had purchased the old one, and this one is uh, so much more enhanced. So if you just want to uh, prepay for it, there are still some books out there, but if we run out, you can prepay for it, and then uh, I will send it to you as soon as I get home. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to share another thing with you. 
I know I had mentioned in the past that uh, I had started another um, organization. If you remember, I'm a chaplain with the police department. Some of you knew that I had mentioned that, and I knew the two police officers that had been killed. And so in their honor, I started an organization. It's a nonprofit community development corporation. Uh, It's in honor of the two police officers, and we teach the at-risk kids uh, art and music and cooking and a lot of different things. And um, I'm going to show you some pictures of their classes right now. At the, uh, if we have those pictures up here. Uh, I was going to show you the logo first, but that's okay. This is, this is the sculpting class. This is probably, well, it is. This is definitely our most expensive class. Um, this is an $80 class. And what I was going to share with you, uh, because this church supports Dan and Tony's Life Center, and I so appreciate that. But I thought I'd give you an opportunity if you would like to um, do something individually, for example, the, the sculpting class is an $80 class. If you'd want to just make an $80 donation tonight, you can just fill out a, a blue card on the back table, and that would go for one of the kids that take another class. But this is our new logo. Can you go back on that logo? I wanted to share something about the logo. I originally had the tennis shoes red. They just looked pretty in red. But then I had to change the color because um, red is a gang color. And then I chose blue, well, that's a gang color. I chose green, it's a gang color. I chose white, it's a gang color. I chose black, it was a gang color. The only color left was yellow. So I hope we don't have any oriental gangs coming in because that's my color now. So, but it still looks okay. But it's Dan and Tony's Life Center, and our vision is to uncover hidden talents. And then we have the name of the two police officers on the badge. And then we have the picture of the ukulele and the paintbrush and the music and... And uh, so that, that's our new logo. Do you like our new logo? Yes. yes. And uh, so then we'll look at uh, some of the other pictures I'll just show you. Uh, this is a cooking class. We have five students in the cooking class, and they're loving it. But our desire was to teach them how to just start off with a breakfast. How do you cook breakfast <laughs> instead of going to some fast food place for a burrito on their way to school? Because these kids don't have, you know, these aren't regular your Sunday school kids that live in a functional home, you know. And uh, so they love the cooking class. And we, I hired a regular chef. Uh, that he, is, uh, he does an awesome job. I've used him for a Valentine event I had for the police department last February. Uh, and the cooking class is uh, it's $30 for a student to take the cooking class. This is an art class. And uh, we had uh, four students in the art class. And this uh, gentleman, he's a former pastor, but he is a tremendous artist. And he was showing the kids... Uh, he gave them a picture to copy. And he said, but when you draw the picture, he showed it to them, up. they have to look at it upside down. Because when you look at it upside down, the other side of your brain shifts in, and it's easier to do art from the other side of the brain, like with music. So they're drawing everything, looking at it upside down, and they did a terrific, tremendous job. Actually, one of the uh, kids' grandmother, when she dropped the kids off, she said, well, I want to sign up for that. I didn't know about that, so she signed up for the art class, so we let her do that. And, uh, and the art class is, um, what is the art class? I think the art class is $15 for their supplies. And the next picture is... That's our ukulele class. We have five students that take the ukulele class, including one of the uh, police officer's daughter. She wanted to sign up for the ukulele. And the ukulele, uh, they are uh, $30. So that's a $30 uh, class. If you would want to buy a ukulele for a student, it would be uh, greatly appreciated. Because we supply everything. Dan and Tony's Life Center supplies everything. And uh, there's another picture right before this one with the kids playing the harmonica. Um, 
these kids had taken the whole, uh, these are the advanced students for the harmonica class. And so when I had this Valentine event in February, I had the kids perform for the police department. And it was a whole, a whole Valentine event that I had for the police department. So these boys are on probation and they're performing for the police department. And now look at the next picture. And the chief of police went up and shook their hands. And so, you know, they, they had to get all dressed up for this Valentine event. But after it was all over, it just took the kids to another level. When they performed for the police and had the chief uh, shake their hands, and their parents were there, and their parents were just thrilled. And the shorter boy in the middle, he, had been, he told me one time that uh, sometimes I pray at home for the meal. So I said, I want you to pray for the meal at the Valentine event. So he got up there and he prayed. He says, God, thank you for the food. Thank you for the people that prepared the food. And thank you for all these police officers that came to hear me play the harmonica. <laughs> and the harmonica class is, uh, that's uh, a $15 class for the, for, to buy the harmonicas. And let me, I think we have a couple other pictures, do we? Is that it? Okay. But those are some of the classes that we have. And so if you feel um, in your heart to maybe uh, help out the students, because we, we need some help. If you want to help buy an instrument, you can just, uh, just fill out the little card so that I can send you some pictures and we know how much you would like to. Uh, you know, if you'd like to help a student, take either harmonica or ukulele, and uh, that would be greatly appreciated. But they're doing a good job. And in the end of December, we have uh, another harmonica class, a cooking class, an art class, and a voice class coming up the end of December. So um, praise God. It's going good, going good. Well, my message tonight, um, I like to teach on all things are possible with God. It's in Matthew 19:26, where all things are possible with God. What it does not say is that all things are automatic. They're not automatic, but they are possible. And it's possible through our faith. But faith has an enemy. Fear, worry, anxiety, anger, bitterness, those are all the things that are, are many of the things that are an enemy to your faith. And fear comes by feeding on negative thoughts. When something negative happens, a negative situation, and you begin to rehearse it, you begin to replay that over and over and over in your mind. How many know what I'm talking about? You'll think, oh, I wish I'd have said this, or I wish that would have happened, or you know what I'm saying. Well, we replay that event, and that builds more of your uh, fear and anger, and that's an enemy of your faith. So when you, uh, you can feed your, your faith by feeding on truth. If you can think back, every one of you here tonight, you have a story. You all have a testimony. You can think back all the things that God has already brought you through that has enabled you to sit here tonight. See, we need to think on truth. You need to focus on, on, on faith and feed your faith. You know, when those negative thoughts come, it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity 
every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every negative thought, you bring it into captivity. And how do you do that? Well, it tells us in Philippians, whatsoever things are honest and true, whatsoever things are just and pure and lovely, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on those things. And then the peace of God will flood your heart. But you have to uh, use your faith. You have to build your faith. You have to feed your faith. And so you have to rehearse all those victories. Replay those victories over and over and over in your mind instead of the negative thoughts. And, you know, when you begin to feed your faith, you will begin to develop a spirit of faith. A spirit of faith is different than just having faith. Because the Bible says that God has given every person a measure of faith. Every person has a measure of faith. But unless you use that faith, you're not developing your faith. And when you begin to develop it, you begin to develop what we call a spirit of faith. A spirit of faith is an attitude. It's like it's an attitude where you refuse to be defeated. Victory is yours. That, that comes from someone who has the spirit of faith. And you have to speak from the spirit of faith Sunday through Sunday. It's not just something that you speak on a Sunday morning, but on a Monday. So often people go to work on a Monday and think, well, it's Blue Monday. Heaven has no Blue Mondays. And we are citizens of heaven. So you need to have a spirit of faith on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the, all the time. Because it's an attitude. It's a spirit of faith. It's not just faith. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I speak. See, we, we, we believe. And this says, we believe. We believe what the word says about our situation. And then we speak that. You have to speak what the Word of God says. And you speak it from the spirit of faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, We walk by faith, not by sight. What that means is that you have to walk by the truth, not by the facts. Truth is greater than facts. You want to speak and know what the Word of God says about your situation. Sometimes people say, well, what's the big deal about faith? Last year I got a phone call from um, uh, a pastor in Prague, in Czech Republic. He said, Marilyn, can you come back and preach for us? And I said, well, sure. And he said, but, you know, we're not going to, we don't do faith anymore. I said, well, then I can't come. Because that's all I know. I mean, I don't know what you'd want me to say. Because I have a spirit of faith. I don't know how people say, well, we don't do faith anymore. This is all faith. Genesis to Exodus, I mean, Revelations. I don't, I don't know how people can think, well, faith is just a movement or something. You have to live by faith. You have to walk by faith. You have to think faith, breathe faith, breathe it. It has to be you. You have to have a spirit of faith to live a victorious life. Faith be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Amen? Faith is the most powerful possession that we have. 
the most powerful possession. And when God gave us faith, there's, a, there's an element, a special element to faith that makes it absolutely impossible for anybody to stop you from using it. There's no government, there's no law, there's no king, queen, president, no organization that can stop you from using your faith. That's amazing. There's no, it's impossible for someone to stop you from coming boldly into the throne room of grace to ask for help in time of need. It's impossible. There is that element that God put in there that nobody can stop you from using. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that is absolutely glorious that we have that powerful possession. You can't even be saved without faith. You're saved by grace through faith. That's why there's no excuse for someone to not be saved because every person was given a measure of faith. At least they can get saved. Saved by grace through faith. Faith. But we want to move on and we want to have that spirit of faith. Amen? Um, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. A spirit of faith must always have a fight to it. A spirit of faith will have a fight to it. You know, the Bible says that faith Without works is what? It's dead. But faith, listen to this, faith without a fight does no works. If you don't have a fight in you, you won't even do the works. Faith without works. And faith without a fight does no work. And Hebrews 11:6, without faith, it is absolutely impossible to please God. Now, we all know we have a measure of faith, but what it means is without using your faith, it's impossible to please God because he gave you something that nobody can stop you from using it. Isn't that glorious? But you can see why it's impossible to please him if you don't use your faith. Let's just say, for example, that you were very, very poor and you had no shoes, no shoes to keep your feet warm, no shoes to protect your feet from the rocks and the stubble and the glass. So I give you shoes, but you never wear the shoes. Then those shoes are absolutely useless. There's no results for having shoes if you're not going to use them. It's the same way with faith. God gave every person a measure of faith. But if you don't use it, there's no results. Might as well not even have it. Might as well not even have the shoes. See what I'm saying? So he says, if you don't use it, it's impossible to please God. Catherine Kuhlman once said, the only limit to the power of God lies within the individual. If there's any failure, it's never on God's side. Never on God's side. So tonight we're going to look at the story of three people in the Bible. You're going to know all three of these people. The first one is the woman with the issue of blood. How many have heard about her? She is so popular, and we don't even know her name. One of the most famous women in the Bible, and we don't even know. I, I, I'm looking forward to meeting her someday, because she had bulldog tenacity. She had a fight to her faith. And it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and she suffered many things from many physicians. That means that she went through some painful procedures from those doctors. 
because it says she suffered many painful procedures from these, these, she suffered from these doctors. And then she spent all that she had. She was no better, but actually got worse. How discouraging is that? After 12 years. So for 12 years, she heard one negative report after another. That means for 4,380 days, she's hearing one negative report after another. Maybe there was one doctor, maybe a couple of them within 12 years, maybe some of them said, Lady, you're just going to have to learn to live with it. Sound familiar? Maybe the doctor said that to you. You're just going to have to learn to live with those allergies. You're going to have to learn to live with that diabetes. You're going to have to learn to live with that heart condition. Or maybe he said cancer, uh, terminal, inoperable. All of those things, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You know, death is not in the power of cancer. Death is in the power of the tongue. And that's why you want to have that spirit of faith because you want to speak with the spirit of faith what God has said about your situation, that you are the healed of the Lord. Amen? You've got to speak from the spirit of faith. So what have you been rehearsing in your mind? Have you been rehearsing about those allergies, that diabetes? And then it goes on to say about this woman, when she heard about Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if only, if that's the only thing I do is just touch his garment, I will be made whole. She didn't need to have eye contact. She didn't need to be anointed with oil. She didn't even care if he knew that she was there. She said, if I can just touch, I will be made whole. You know, the Bible says, that when Jesus knew that power had gone out of him, well, by the time he realized it had happened, it had already happened. So he did not initiate anything. He goes, oh, something just had happened. Well, it had. He had nothing to do with it. it was all, that's why he said, daughter, your faith made you whole. And then it says in verse 29, she felt in her body that she was healed. And I want you to remember that. So for 12 years, 4,380 days, she heard the facts. But then one day, she hears the truth. And she changed her focus from facts to truth and received truth. After 4,380 days, she's changed her focus. Stop rehearsing the facts and start and rehearsed the truth and was healed. Glory to God. She put a fight to her faith, and she refused to miss that opportunity. She fought physically. I'm sure after that many days that she was probably anemic. Having a, a female problem, she's probably anemic, frail, very weak. But she pressed through that crowd. I'm sure she fought um, emotionally. I'm sure that maybe at some point she thought, oh, I don't know if I can just take another step. Or I wonder if she was tempted to give up. I don't know, but I know she didn't. One translation said she pushed through the crowd. I wonder when she's going through that crowd, because there is a crowd of people. Excuse, excuse me, uh, excuse, excuse me, sir, excuse me, that maybe somebody turned around and said to her, Lady, stop pushing. I was here first. 
People are the same. You know, this is a book about real people, real emotions, real fears, real hurts, real concerns. This isn't about Winnie the Pooh. It's about real people. Now, could have been, could have been somebody said, Lady, stop pushing. Because she's pushing through the crowd. Just the other day at the airport, this lady came pushing through in front of all of us that were in line. I thought, hmm, I didn't say anything, but I would have liked to. And the same way when I take my grandkids to Disneyland. Oh, wait a minute, we're in line. People pushing through. And you want to say, stop pushing. But So it could have been. And I wonder if somebody said that to her, if maybe she would have felt discouraged. But in Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. Don't get discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap if you don't give up. If you don't give up. She didn't give up. And she changed her thinking from facts to truth. She responded to truth. You know, we come to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and we hear the truth. But do we respond? Do we respond? You know, sometimes, um, and I'll be in a church service, and just a couple of months ago I was in a church service, and the pastor said, "Uh, three people called this morning. They weren't feeling good. They had to go to the clinic. They pressed through to get to the clinic, but they couldn't press through to come and hear the healer. But they could press through to go to the clinic, and then they'll press through to go to work on Monday. Probably can't press through on a Wednesday night, though. Mm. You got to press through. You got to press through. You got to respond. She responded. I mean, think about 4,380 days she was sick. 12 years. And she pressed through. Man, she pushed pushed through. She wasn't going to miss her opportunity. See, opportunities come and they go. And we don't get a pick when they come. But we get a pick. We get to choose to respond when they do come. Her opportunity came that day and she wasn't going to miss it. I like what it says in Luke 18:27, the things that are impossible with man, or you could say with the doctor, is still possible with God, but not automatic. Amen. John 17:17 17, 17, it says, "My words are truth." To truly believe is simply agree with what the Word says about your situation. It's just simply agree. That's what faith that you just simply agree. So often people get a negative report, and instead of going to the healer and looking for truth, they'll immediately go to Mr. Google. Mr. Google is not your friend. I mean, sometimes he's not the healer. Who, who gave him that information in the first place? I mean, I'll be with some people, and I mean, within just a short period of time, they've checked Mr. Google for, I don't know how many different, let's check Mr. Google, where's that closest restaurant? Check with Mr. Google, what's the direction? Check with Mr. Google, what does this mean? Uh, check with Mr. Google, uh, where is that? I mean, good grief, can't you use your brain for anything? You know, seriously, you're t- it's like a... Push button, Mr. Google, everything. <laughs> Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer. John eight thirty two. you have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, it will be very difficult for you to receive the truth. 
You've got to know the truth. Mr. Google is not, he's not your answer. He's not the healer. Another person I want us to look at, you'll know this person too. His name is Bartimaeus. How many have heard of Bartimaeus? The Bible says that he was a, a poor, blind beggar. So he is begging for his daily provision day after day after day. And so he's going to be sitting alongside the road. But it's a, it has to be a very busy road, one where there's a lot of traffic. He's not going to be on some side road. It's got to be a busy road because he needs all the opportunities he can for people to give unto him. You can probably close your eyes and just envision this, this big, busy dirt road. People walking by, maybe they've got turbans on their head and the, those long robes and sandals on their feet and dust flying up as they're walking by. Maybe there's a little boy with a cow or somebody with a donkey or a camel. Busy, busy road. And so Bartimaeus, he's, he's sitting there and people come and, and they give to him. He can't see, but he can hear. He can hear the people. And maybe at one point, there were a couple people came up and put some money in his little lap. And they're having a conversation, not to him, but talking to themselves, one another. And maybe somebody said something like, did you hear, John, that that, uh, Jesus is coming this way today? And they put the money in his lap and they walk off. And he hears that. He says, what, 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 what? Hey, come back, come back, come back. What did you you say? Jesus is coming? Is it Jesus of Nazareth? He can't see. He heard somebody say something about Jesus. How far up the road is he? Oh, my goodness. Is Jesus halfway up the road or is he close by? He's got, I can just imagine the adrenaline starts racing. His heart, thump, 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 thump. Something, he's got to do something. He can't miss this opportunity. Shout. He just shouts. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him turn and say, Barnabas, be quiet. Sound familiar? Lady, stop pushing. Bartimaeus, be quiet. Did she stop pushing? Not on your line. Did he stay quiet? He's probably, hey, who's blind here? The Bible says he shouted even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said Jesus stood still. You know, when heaven hears the shout of faith, heaven stands at attention, ready to move on your behalf. Heaven stands at attention at the sound of faith. Jesus stood still, and he called for Bartimaeus. But at that moment, Bartimaeus did something very significant. He took that robe that he had on and he threw it off. Why was that such a big deal? In order for him to be a beggar on the side of the road, in those days, you had to have permission from the high priest. It's not like today where you just get a piece of cardboard, God bless you, and go stand out on the corner. And then hours later, drive your Cadillac home. Mm Mm-hmm, I've seen it. He had to have permission. And so when he was granted permission so that the public would know that he had legal right to be there, he was given a garment. And that garment that he had on represented his identity. 
it identified him as a poor, blind beggar. And when he threw off that garment, he was throwing off that negative identity that the facts had put on him. He threw it off. I'm not going to be blind anymore. That could have been the moment when Jesus said, your faith had made you whole. That's probably when it happened. Not manifested, but when he stood up there, Jesus said, what did you want? Well, your faith already made you whole. What identity are you holding on to? What are you rehearsing in your mind? What garment is on you? Is it a garment of arthritis or diabetes or what is your garment? I want you to say this with me. Close your eyes. Let's just say this. Lord, I choose this day to take off that garment that facts have put on me. I choose this day to take back my true identity. I am the righteousness of God. I am the healed of the Lord. I choose to put on the garment of truth. For it is written, by his stripes, I am healed. And I am satisfied with long, strong life. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. This is truth. Amen. Amen. See, the more you focus on facts, you will retain the facts. But when you focus on truth, you will receive the truth. Amen. So in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. What do you have to guard your heart against? The facts. Facts breed fear, and fear is the enemy of your faith. So you need to guard your heart and fill your heart up with truth. If you receive truth, then speak truth. And when you speak truth... You will receive truth. It's a simple gospel, isn't it? It really, really is simple. Now we're going to look at one more person, and you will know this person as well. Her name is Mary. She's the mother of Jesus. Now I'm going to read this story to you out of the Amplified, so I just really want you to listen. So the angel comes to speak to Mary, and he came to her, and he said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed Favorite of God are you before all other women. So the angel is speaking the truth. He's speaking from the realm of the supernatural. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused. Who's the author of confusion? God is not the author of confusion, is he? So she's troubled, she's disturbed, she's confused at what he said, and she kept revolving in her mind what, such, what did it mean. She's, she's thinking logically, what in the world is the angel talking about? She's just thinking about the facts. So now the angel has to speak again. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. How many times do we read where Jesus says, fear not, fear not, fear not. He said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. And then he says, listen. He says, listen. 
You know, imagine that you're going to go to a restaurant, it's on a Friday night, and it's 6 o'clock, and that restaurant is packed out. And you know it's crowded because you could close your eyes, but you could hear all those voices. You know what I'm talking about? It's so packed, 6 o'clock, Friday night, and you can just, if you close your eyes, it's jabber, 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 jabber. But when you sit down at the table, you're only going to listen to the people at your table. All those voices are still going on, but now you've turned your focus and you're listening to those at the table. I know one time I was visiting my daughter and she said to my grandson, Now, Matthew, listen to me. Do not leave your jacket on the school bus today. I heard you, Mom. No, no, no. I don't want to know if you heard me. I want to know, did you listen to me? See, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. You can be talking to somebody and they can hear you talk, but they're not paying one bit of attention to you. Listening means pay attention. So the angel says, Mary, listen. You will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his forefather David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob throughout the ages, and of his reign there shall be no end. The angel is speaking from the supernatural realm, the realm of truth. I mean, he is he's talking truth. And Mary says to the angel, Now, how can this be? How can this be? I have no intimacy with any man as a husband. She's still focusing on the facts. He's speaking truth. She's thinking about the facts. Well, the angel has no other alternative, but he's got to speak again. So now he says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the offspring which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. And listen, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is now the sixth month with her who was called barren. Well, we know who that was, don't we? She just had a miracle. He said, your, your cousin Elizabeth just had a miracle. And then listen to what the angel says. This is so dynamic. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to say it again. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of being fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. It will be. So he is speaking again from the realm of the supernatural, the realm of truth. And this time Mary says, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. And then it says, The angel left. Why did he leave? Because she finally came into agreement with truth. Until she agreed with truth, she could not conceive. The minute she said, be it unto me, could have been the instant of conception. We don't know, but it had to happen sometime. And when she said, I I receive, I agree, that could have been the instant of conception. And so now the angel left. The same challenge that Mary had is often our challenge. Going back to the verse in 29, she was greatly troubled, she was disturbed, and she was confused. 
When you get a negative report, does it trouble you? Are you getting confused about it? You have to let go, just let go of the facts, and you've got to focus on the truth. Amen? It's so, so important. She made a, a, a transition in her thinking, and that's what we have to do. You've got to stop focusing on the facts and focus on truth. And now I want to share a testimony, one of my testimonies. It was the year of 1986, and I had just uh, graduated from Rama, and I went back on another missionary trip to Africa. It was an evangelistic um, um, time. We were there for 30 days, and it was partly evangelism and a medical clinic. And we're way out in the bush, and so it's a very highly contaminated area. So when you go way out there to do medical clinics, you're going to be very exposed to a lot of uh, germs and diseases and a lot of uh, bacteria and um, no sanitation whatsoever. So you have to take extra inoculations, and, of course, you take the preventative for malaria. So, of course, I'm doing all of that there for 30 days, and I was very aware that I was being bitten by the mosquitoes that carry malaria. But not, not to worry, because I'm on the preventative. So I was there for 30 days, and the day I came home, my son picked me up at the airport, and he knew I'd probably be tired, and so he thought, maybe we'll watch a movie. And so he rented the movie, Chariots of Fire. And I love that phrase, he who honors God will be honored by God. And we're watching that movie, and it wasn't even halfway through, and boom, suddenly, I mean, I had instantly a fever of 103. And I immediately applied Luke 10, 19. I took authority over those symptoms. And I recognized those are the symptoms of malaria. So I took authority over that, and I'm focusing on truth. Now, it's never a lack of faith to go to the doctor. It's never a lack of faith to take medicine. God uses doctors, and God uses medicine. Well, when you take authority over something like that or any situation, and you take authority over the the devil, the devil's not going to come to you and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. I I didn't know that you didn't want to be sick. I didn't know you didn't want me to steal, kill, or destroy you. I'm out of here. I'm so sorry. No, he doesn't do that. He comes back. And he's going to keep coming back because he's going to be testing to see if you've got a spirit of faith. He's going to test how strong are you in the word of God. Because the Bible says, let the word of God live in you on a rich level. If it's in you richly, you get rich level results. But if it's in you on a low level, it's easy for the devil to devour you because you are a weak Christian. And that's why he keeps coming back. Okay, what level of faith are they on? Do they have faith or do they have spirit of faith? Refuse to be defeated. So on Monday, I thought, well, I'm worse. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to mix wisdom with my faith. I can, because I, you know, I know you can just nip it in the bud right away. So I went to the doctor and I said, I've got some symptoms and I would like to have more of the chloroquine because it doesn't hurt me to double up if I didn't have malaria. But if I do have, it'll just nip it in the bud. The doctor said, well, no, I I won't give you that because you were already on the preventative, so you don't have malaria. He said, maybe it's just fatigue and I'll just do a blood test. I said, okay. So I called him the next morning to get the blood result test. And he said, I don't have them yet. 
I thought, oh, maybe I called too early. So I fell asleep, and then I called the next day. He said, no, I, I don't have them yet. And I realized, okay, you didn't put that into the lab stat where you would get, you, you need to get instant results when you're testing for malaria because a malaria kills you very quickly. It destroys your liver, your kidneys, your spleen, and your blood. You're very nauseated, you have a very high fever, and you have a headache like, mm, really, really bad. And so I realized then he didn't send it through STAT. The next day I went by and I, I had a fever of 104. I called him up and I said, I'm burning up. Uh, what do I need to do? He said, well, take a cold shower. I thought, well, I figured that part out, you know. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, you know, when you have a high fever, you don't always think clearly. Right. So you just, sometimes you just don't think clearly. And so um, I let it go, and the next day I woke up. Now that, that morning, my whole body was swollen. It turned yellow. The whites of my eyes were yellow. The inside of my mouth was yellow. I mean, I looked really bad, and I was feeling horrible. I called my friend. I said, come and get me to the doctor now. I felt so sick, I couldn't even get dressed. I went to the doctor's office with my robe and my slippers. So I walk in there, swollen, yellow, looked a mess. And the nurse said to me, you're going to scare our patients. We need to hide you. I thought, well, thank you very much. <laughs> she said, you look terrible. I thought, well... But she did. She said, you're going to scare our patients. We have to put you in another room right away. So the doctor came in and he said, oh, you are so yellow. I wonder if you have hepatitis. Now, Marilyn, we don't know. I don't have the blood test back. Now, don't you worry about a thing. You just go back home. Stupid, stupid. But I'm telling you, you don't think clearly when you've got that high of a fever and you're, and you're just constantly nauseated and everything. The next morning, very early, my phone rang, and it was the doctor. He said, Marilyn, we are sending an ambulance to your house. I got the blood test back, and you not only have malaria, you have double malaria. You have two different forms at the same time. I've already called a disease specialist. He's waiting for you at the hospital. And he said your blood test showed the worst blood he's ever seen and is now five years later. And I got to the hospital and the disease doctor said, Marilyn, um, I have some bad news for you. You should have been treated, or I think he actually had some words with the other doctor. He said, you should have been treated earlier and now chloroquine is too late for that. You now need to have quinine and we don't have any. And he said, you are the first patient we've ever had here in Tulsa, Oklahoma with malaria. And he said, we don't have any quinine. And this was before the Internet. So he said, I already have a staff of people making phone calls trying to locate quinine. It took another day. I was uh, on the quinine then for three days. I knew myself it's not working. Now, before I went to the hospital, I grabbed two things. I grabbed my toothbrush, and then I grabbed my cassette player, cassette player, <laughs> uh, with Brother Hagen's cassette for healing scriptures. And I asked the nurse, I said, I don't care if I'm asleep or I'm awake, would you keep playing that? Because my body might be asleep, but my spirit, it just needs to be fed. She, she promised she would do it because they had some Christian doctors and nurses that worked at that hospital. And um, so after the third day, the doctor came in and he said, Marilyn, 
I'm sorry to tell you, but you are dying. And um, he said, it, w- it was just too late to treat you. And he said, if you want to say goodbye to your family, you need to call them now, not this afternoon. He said, do you understand what I'm saying, that this afternoon it would be too late? And I thought to myself, God did not heal me of cancer so I could die of malaria. I was miraculously healed of cancer when I was 28 years old. And I, you know, I had to keep my focus on truth, not the facts. I couldn't keep focus on those facts. I had to keep focusing on truth, that by his stripes I'm healed, I would live and not die. And um, I didn't call my family to say I was going to die. And I, I fell asleep. And um, actually, what the doctor had done, they had put a sign on my door that says, no visitors allowed. And they would send medical students in to observe me because I was the first patient they ever had. And those, there were three, one day there were three medical students that came in to watch me be sick. Not one of them handed me a glass of water. Not one of them handed me a tissue. Not one of them even called the nurse and said, uh, she, she soiled her garment. They just kept taking notes, just kept taking notes. I I fell asleep and I woke up, I don't know, I'm just guessing maybe 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. My first thought was, seriously, my first thought was, oh, I'm still alive. (laughs) I did, that was my first thought, because he said, you know, by noon I'd be all over. And uh, I'm still alive. That means as long as I have breath, I can fight. And I was determined at that moment that the devil was going to see me sitting up in bed. And I'm extremely weak. My fever had exceeded 105. I'm, you know, the medicine isn't working. I still look like a yellow bumblebee. And I took a hold of the support bars on the side of my bed. And I began to pull and pull. I don't know how long it took, but I finally was sitting, sitting up. And then in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I took authority over that spirit of malaria again. I did the same thing I had done every other, all the other time. There was nothing different, nothing different whatsoever. It's the same thing. But at that moment, it was just like the woman with the issue of blood. At that moment, I felt in my body I was just healed of that plague. And I collapsed back in bed from exhaustion. I want to say two things. One, victory is never determined in the volume of your shout. I had no volume left. It was the spirit of faith that brings the victory, not volume. And I want to say something else. Uh, One of my trips, I think it was the very first trip I had in Africa. It was my first trip to Africa. I was way out in the bush and I was preaching in a service. There must have been I don't know, maybe 80, 100 people there. Uh, they only had a half a roof and maybe two and a half walls. You know, very, very poor. But the people were very hungry, and, they were, and, then, and it was going really well. I mean, the service, there was just a strong anointing. And, and then some man walked in, in the back, and he shouted five words. And everybody jumped up and ran out of the church. I thought, man, I wish I could shout five words, and they'd run in. And my translator started to run out. I, I grabbed him. I said, wait a minute. What did that man say? I mean, the church is empty. He said, the cow fell in the pit. I said, the cow fell in the pit. He said, yeah, we got to go see. I said, well, okay, I'll go see too. 
I went out there, and it was a big pit. Now, the cow must have walked backwards because it was a, a narrow pit, but it was very, very deep. And he was on his hind legs, and his, his hoofs were up, and he was, he was clawing at the top of the pit. You could see just panic on this cow. He was desperately trying to get out of that pit. There wasn't room enough for him to turn around, so he must have fallen in backwards. And he couldn't get out. And two of the natives jumped in that pit. They squeezed down in there, and they got behind that cow, and they began to push and push and push until they got that cow out of the pit. And immediately I thought, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. When you are determined to fight, the Holy Spirit will get behind you and he will push you out of the pit of your life. If you just take that one step, he's there to push you right out. But you've got to have that spirit of faith. And then he is there there to be our helper. You've got to push and push and push. And the Holy Spirit's right there, right behind you. All things are possible with God, but they're not automatic. The next morning, the doctor was surprised to see me. I said, I'm ready to go home. He said, well, I want those medical students to come back. (laughs) Could you just hang out for three days? I said, well, okay. But I want to show you something. This is a copy of one of my medical reports. July 1986, St. Francis Hospital, Maryland, Newbar. These are facts. These facts tell us this patient is going to die. Truth in Psalms 118, verse 17 says, You will not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. You have to shift from the facts to the truth. If you, if you don't know the truth, it's hard to receive the truth. You've got to know the truth. Amen. Amen. You ready to receive truth tonight? Father, we thank you for your holy written word. Lord, I thank you that your word takes deeper into each and every heart tonight, that they will never, never be the same again. We thank you for that, Father God. We thank you that your word never returns void in Jesus' name. Pastor John, you want me to pray for people now, or do you want to come up and... or What, what, what do you want me to do? Can I, can I go ahead and pray for people? Okay. Um, so if you have pain or sickness in your body, well, let me ask you something else first. If there's anybody here, maybe you're visiting for the first time, and you have never asked Jesus to come into your life. That's the greatest miracle of all. That's greater than uh, blind eyes being healed. That's greater than, than being healed of cancer. That's greater than being raised from your deathbed from malaria. There's no miracle greater than the miracle of the new birth, when your spirit becomes alive to the spirit of the Lord God Almighty. And when you ask Jesus to come into your life, two things are promised to you. One, that when you leave this earth, you will reign in heaven with God forever and ever and ever. But the second promise is that while you are on this earth, the Holy Spirit will come and live on the inside of you to guide you, to direct you, to help you in every situation, every breathing moment of your life, you have a helper, the Holy Spirit. And if you're here tonight and you have never prayed that prayer, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and you, but you do believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead just for you. I want you just to close your eyes and think just a moment for how much God loves you. And if that's you and you want to receive his love tonight, I want you just to to lift your hand real high if you've never prayed that prayer 
anybody at all, you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe you have and you've drifted away, but you just sense the Holy Spirit wooing you back tonight. Is there anybody here at all? You know, let's just pray that together corporately. And if that's you, I want you just to tell Pastor John or Anita or Pastor Ray or Pastor Kurt, I want you to tell somebody tonight if you prayed that prayer because I have a book for you on the back table and it's called What's My Next Step? I'm a New Believer. So let's just pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I do believe that Jesus is your son. He died on the cross for me. I ask you to come into my life today. Forgive me of my sin. Receive me. Cleanse me. Teach me your ways. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Guide me and direct me. For I receive you now as my personal Savior. Help me to let you be my Lord. So I thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here tonight and you've got pain,